The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word, and as we do that, I want to offer you a couple of things that we're going to find. So if you want to take some notes, I encourage that. I love writing things down for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it just helps to, uh, to make a point of contact with the information when it's right in front of you. Uh, it's, it's more uh, likely that it's going to stick when you actually have to pay attention enough to jot it down. And then two, it gives you a reference point to revisit because we're not here to listen to a speech. I, uh, it's, it's not something that is meant to be just something that you listen to, maybe feel a little warm and fuzzy and then go out the door. We're here to seek God to transform our lives, to, to grow us and mature us. And now we're going to hear something together, but we're all going to hear it in different ways because we all have different life experience. So as you hear the message today, I want to encourage you to take this perspective that, that God's speaking to you specifically from his word to bring good things into your life. Uh, and when you write those things down, you have an opportunity to revisit them in your own time as you pray and as you uh, read the scripture and we'll trust that God's doing a great work uh, through his word in your life. So uh, here's a few things we're going to find as we get into the word. One, what happens for everyone? Now, everyone is a pretty powerful word, right? I mean, everyone is all-inclusive. There's nobody left out of everyone. So when you're looking at words like everyone in the Bible, you, you need to know a couple of things. One, I'm in that group. I mean, I'm a person, so as far as everyone is concerned, I'm a part of this. And then all of those around you are. I mean, this would include your, your, your family, your friends, co-workers. Uh, they are a part of everyone, too. So when we start to see what happens in everyone's life, it's, it's something to pay attention to so that we can understand what's going on and why it's going on. Uh, another thing that we're going to find is why God gives to you. Why God gives to you. Now, there's a lot of thoughts on this. I mean, you can offer all kinds of opinions that would all be wonderful and, and accurate and right. I mean, but there's an, a couple of elements in the scripture that I think are worth noting because when we begin to see God's motive and we begin to see what he's doing on our behalf, it, it helps us to understand who he is. And it's knowing who he is that is eternal life. I mean, that sounds a little strange, but it's the truth. I mean, when Jesus was praying for you, and if you ever want to just be inspired, if you're ever having kind of a worst day ever, you, know, you can read Jesus' prayer for you. You'll find it in John chapter 17. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for you, and when he's praying for you, he reveals what eternal life is. It's not just some long period of time without death, but rather it is a, 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 a knowledge of God that's intimate, not just knowing about him as an in information, but relationship with him, knowing who he is. And in that prayer, he acknowledges that, that this is eternal life, that they would know you and that they would know the, the Messiah, the Savior that you've sent. And so as we look at this, we're going to see uh, what God gives to us, why he gives to us, and, and it's helpful to know his motives and who he is. It's the gateway for life. A third thing we're going to find is what God is giving. What God is giving, and I think it's important to know that. Uh, and I, I want to set up a little bit of, of base for the message, because whenever we get together and get into the Word, you're going to hear things that maybe sound a little familiar, things that maybe you're familiar with, maybe things you've heard in messages before, maybe things that uh, 
uh, totally new to you. It could fall in any one of those categories. But I want to explain the reason for the message today. And I think that's important to know because it's, uh, it's just helpful to understand where we're going if we know what caused the, the, the plan in the first place. And so this is a little bit of my life experience. I don't know what kind of a, a week you had this week, but I had a pretty wild week. I mean, it was filled with all kinds of uh, activities, work-related activities that included a lot of challenges, things that had to be overcome, things that were unique and new, things that were different, things that were very repetitive, and maybe you're a little tired of that repetition. I mean, there are all kinds of things that entered in. And so I found myself saying things and, and praying things that I, I had to pause and ask, is that an effective thing to say? Is that an effective way to pray? I mean, do I have my, my head screwed on straight as it concerns dealing with the things that I'm facing, or am I on autopilot? And let me tell you something, it's real easy to find yourself on autopilot, where you're just kind of coasting and, and moving. And, and if you stop and think about uh, uh, the things that you're doing, you might realize that you can get a better result if you're slightly more intentional, right? So here's a little thing that you can practice. I'm not telling you you have to do this or anything, because that's not how we roll, but you might think about this. There was a season when I wanted to be very intentional, so instead of just praying, I actually wrote down my prayers. And then I would read them again, and I, and I realized a, a lot. I realized, man, I am one selfish guy. I mean, me, 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 me. And, and it just inspired me to think differently and to perform differently. But if I hadn't done that, I'd never know it, that, that it was going on. I'd just keep doing what I always did, right? So it's just important to, to make those evaluations. That's the reason for some of the things that we're looking at in the Word, so that we can see that change and that transformation, that we can grow and not get stuck in habit and just do the same thing we always did, getting the same result. I want to get better. So throughout this week, I found myself praying things, you know, like, like asking God for things like, like patience and asking God for, for things like peace and asking God for things like joy. And those are all great things to ask God for, right? I mean, that's what we need. We need patience. And, and I know that uh, we could all use peace and joy. Uh, so it's not that those are bad prayers, but rather perhaps that's not the right way to go about that. And we'll, we'll get to where I'm going in just a moment. So I'm laying that foundation. I was evaluating myself, and I came to a conclusion, and that's what brings us to the message today. So I want to give you a, a passage that we're going to start with here from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Now here's a few things we're going to find. What happens to everyone or for everyone, why God gives to us and what God gives. We're going to find out what happens for everyone right up front, right here in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read somewhere around verse 7 here as we start. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7. Now, Jesus is speaking, and you know how I feel about this, right? You don't just read this as if you're reading a book, you know, once upon a time there was a man, right? You read this as if Jesus is speaking to you, as if you are in the crowd and you're hearing his words as he's speaking them from his mouth, and they are, are entering in through your ear, being processed by your brain and having this massive impact on your heart and who you are. When you take on that perspective as you see the scripture and you read it with the idea that God is speaking to me right now, it can have a profound effect. And so as God is speaking to you right now, he's saying this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. 
Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, i got to stop right here for a second, and I have to just process this, because it's a passage of Scripture that, that I have heard before from other you know, sermons or messages or teachings or whatever, but I don't want to just assume I know what it's saying. Just because I've heard it before doesn't mean I understand it. And so I want to stop and ask myself, what's being spoken here? Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to me. I want to pay attention. Well, I notice a lot of, of the word, you know, will being used, right? When you see that, that the, you will uh, find, and you, you will receive, and it will be open to you, that word will is pretty absolute. I mean, it, it's not a, a, it might, it's not it could. And in my world, there's a lot of mights and a lot of coulds. But Jesus, who's very intentional about his words, who's never just had kind of, you know, I was a little sloppy. I wished I would have tightened that message up a little bit. When he's speaking, you're hearing absolute truth is saying will. To the one that, that asks, it will be given. To the one that seeks, they will find. To the one that knocks, it will be open to them. This, this is something that's encouraging to me. I mean, one, it boosts my faith that, that there's going to be effect for the cause. The cause being... The, the asking, the seeking, the knocking, the effect being uh, the receiving and, and the, uh, the finding and having it open to me. Then I have to ask myself a, a, a couple of questions. Who does this apply to? Is this just to a certain group of people? But based on how Jesus spoke, it applies to everyone. That's the reason why I was confident to say we're going to find out what happens for everyone Remember, Jesus is speaking to you, and this is the word that he says. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks will have it open to them. I mean, these are powerful words being used. These are absolute words. Will doesn't mean might, doesn't mean could. Everyone doesn't mean just some people or an exclusive group, but every human being. This isn't just something for Christians. This is about living as a human being on the earth. There is going to be cause and effect. So now I have to ask myself something. What is it that I'm asking for? What is it that I'm seeking? And what is it that I'm knocking for? Because everyone is in this category. Jesus didn't just pull a group of people aside and say, hey, if you believe in me, this applies to you. But for all these other knuckleheads, they can go take a nap right now because this doesn't apply to them. But this is for everyone. There are people right now that have not called on the name of Jesus. There are people that are unbelievers. But this law, this principle applies to every single person. What we ask for, we'll receive. I want to know what am I asking for. Not just verbally with my mouth, but what are my actions asking for? What is it that, that is, is being pursued with my life? Seeking, I'm going to find it. What is it that I'm seeking? I'd like to know that. And I think sometimes we find these results in our life or something happens and, and we're shocked by the effect of it. But when we start to play it back, we can see that we were moving in that direction for some time before it ever took place. And we can look back and we say things like, well, where there's smoke, there's fire, you know, where we don't realize it till there's an inferno, but you can look back and see a whole lot of smoke. Decisions were a little compromised. Things just slowly moved over and moved over and moved over, and then bang, you're not where you once were. 
And so I look at this, and I don't just think this is a passage of Scripture meant to inspire that God's going to give me whatever I ask him for. I think this is a passage of Scripture that reveals, hey, listen, you're going to get what you're asking for. It might not even be godly. You might get exactly what you're looking for. So what I want to do now is take into my prayer life and say, God, I want to ask for the right stuff. If I'm not asking for the right stuff, I'm going to get the wrong stuff because your word promises whatever I ask for, I'm going to get. So please do a work in my heart and do a work in my head that I can ask you for the right stuff because I want to get the right stuff. I want to be seeking the right things because no matter what, whatever I seek, I'm going to find. So do a work in my heart and in my mind that I don't find myself seeking the wrong thing, that I don't take a a vacation and go selfish for a little while and the next thing I know find myself in a world of hurt. Keep me straight. And as it concerns knocking, let me knock on the right doors. Oh God, please let me knock on the right doors. Because whatever door I knock on is going to be open. You see how this works? When you begin to think about it, it starts to affect how you see it and understand it. Then it affects how you live and how you pray and and your behavior and how you carry yourself and conduct yourself. I want this to be my relationship with God. God, don't just give me, give me, give me, give me, but God, let me want the right stuff. I want to want the right things. I want to ask for the right things. I want to seek the right things, and I want to knock on all the right doors. So then when we take a look at this, we, we... go a little bit further. I want to talk about those things, the asking and the seeking and the knocking. And it's a passage that we've talked about before, but I want to offer it from a little different perspective, the perspective that we just offered. I mean, as it concerns asking, there's something really amazing that takes place when you ask for something. Uh, When you ask for something, it is a submissive act. It's really interesting to see when you consider it. it. It's kind of odd to talk about. It sounds a little bit peculiar, but when you stop and think about it, it's absolutely a submissive act. Acting is, or excuse me, asking is the opposite of demanding, right? I mean, so if I were to go home and it's been a really long day and my wife were to say, hey, honey, I know you worked hard today. Is there something you'd like to eat? You know, there's a big difference between me saying, I would love to, would you please make me a sandwich? Or me just open up the door and say, hey, make me a sandwich. <laughs> Don't do that one right? She'll make you a sandwich in the frying pan and deliver it in person. Boom. But, you know, so there's a huge difference. One is, is this uh, submissive uh, uh, act, this request that requires humility. I mean, you can't really ask for anything without there being a, a, a stated humility, whether it's actually spoken or whether it's indirectly applied, that, that I'm asking because I need your help. It's the reason why asking is so powerful in the scripture. I mean, when you see things like, uh, uh, well, we'll find them in the scripture in a moment. But what asking results in, it's not just because God has a power trip and he wants to put you in your place. It's because when we walk in humility, great things happen on our behalf. I want to read you a couple of scriptures that reveal that. I mean, here's one for you from the book of James. James 4, 6. James 4, 6, it reads like this. God is opposed to the proud... But gives, did you hear that word gives? But gives grace to the humble. Man, I need God's grace in my life. Now, this is where we kind of run into a little bit of a vocabulary challenge because we easily confuse grace and mercy and all of these things. It just becomes a blur, right? I mean, like you live in Texas, so you've probably heard this conversation before. Hey, man, you want a Coke? Yeah. What kind do you want? A Sprite. 
It's like, wait, wait a second, you know. So Coke has just become generic for soda, right? It's no longer a specific type of soda or a brand, but it's just across the board. Well, that's kind of how grace and mercy have become. But these are unique things that God brings into our life. And we need to understand the difference. I mean, God's mercy is what results in my, my forgiveness and, and his willingness to pardon and forgive all of the sin and corruption. And then to pour his Holy Spirit into my life and empower me with all of the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and all the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, that's grace. Not just to get me to zero where you have, you know, no sin in your life, but to take me past that into infinite abundance. That's his grace to put his power in me, to put his authority in me. And so when I consider this passage of Scripture with that understanding, it's really incredible that God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace, which is what you need, to the humble. Everything I deal with, I need grace. You deal with disappointment, frustration, heartache. Uh, uh, you deal with with troubles and issues and challenges, fill in the blank with whatever negative thing you want to. You need the grace of God to deal with that. I need the authority of the name of Jesus. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to effectively deal with that, or else all I'm going to do is make it worse. I'm going to jump in the middle of it, and it's going to go from bad to worse. But if I can carry the grace of God into that, I can bring life, prosperity, productivity, deliverance, healing, you name it. If it's Jesus, I can bring it. And if that grace is the result of walking with humility, I want to be a humble man. If asking and humility are synonymous and connected, then I want to ask. I don't make demands on God. I ask. So as we consider the asking and the things that are, are necessary for us to see uh, uh, the things of God manifest in our life, I want that to be a part of who I am. Now, there's things that can get in the way of that, and we're going to see a couple of those in the Scripture. One thing that will get in the way of asking is pride. You'll come to a point where maybe there's been enough hurt, enough wound, enough disappointment, enough frustration, where you just start drawing lines and say, I will never. That's a bad place to be. It's basically a place where you've said, you know, I'm content with everything that has happened to this point, and I'm just not going to let it get any worse. It's miserable, because basically what you're saying is, I'm going to carry this suffering and no more. When the truth is, Jesus has, has equipped us and, and empowered us and given us direction to see all of that suffering healed. We don't have to carry it. We can be delivered from it. Pride will get in the way of asking. We'll, we'll just refuse to ask because of pride. And I'll give you a passage of Scripture. I think having the Scripture to stand on and lean on is really important. Uh, James 4, 2, it says, You don't have because you don't ask. Just this refusal to ask God for help. Maybe it's because we'd have to acknowledge that we need help in the first place. And we've come to a point where we've decided that we're independent and we're strong and we just don't need help. I've actually been in a couple of spots where I thought that it was manly to just tough it out. And now I realize that that's a deception. It's a lie. It's an open door to destruction and suffering. But the greatest thing I can do is turn to God for help. The greatest thing I can do is ask. And, of course, if we don't have because we don't ask, when we don't ask, we'll never have. 
Another thing that gets in the way of asking is unbelief. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from Matthew 21. It says, you know, all the things that you ask for and pray, believe and you will receive. We've talked about believing before, and, and I think believing is a really interesting thing. I mean, it's the, not just the concept of acknowledging existence, but we're called to trust. I mean, if you and I have a relationship and you know that when I tell you I'll do something, I'll do it, it, it sets you free from anxiety or worry. Even just a real simple example, like if I've rarely been late and, and if I've ever said, hey, I'll be here at, at this time or I'll pick you up or whatever, and it's, it's never, you've never been let down before, whenever you hear, hey, I'll be there to pick you up, you don't worry about it. Because of that track record and that consistency, it's easy for you to trust. Well, for a lot of people, if, they've, if they're unaware of, of the faithfulness of God and the presence of his, his hand in their life and, and, and his goodness and his grace and his mercy, it can be hard to trust. If they've been hurt, wounded, beat down, rejected, abused by everyone around them, then it's even harder to trust because you just think that that's how people are. And for us, we come to a place where we've got to realize that putting trust in God to help with these situations is, is a necessary thing in order for our hearts to be humbled for us to ask. I'll give you a, a, a passage of scripture here that is meant to respond to that believing and trusting. It comes from James, James chapter 1, verse 6. It says that uh, some, if you want, you must ask with faith. It says to do this without doubting, that the one that doubts is like the waves on the sea, that they're driven and they're tossed about by the wind, and that that person shouldn't expect they're going to receive anything because they are double-minded and unstable in all of their ways. This passage fascinates me. I mean, I will think on this, and, and I can't get to the bottom of it. It's just so filled with things that you can ponder. For the sake of time today, I want to point out a couple of things, just, just a few little things. You realize it talked about being double-minded, right? Like one day you believe, the next day you don't believe. One day you believe, the next day you don't. Man, I, I have a lot of areas in my life that were like that. I remember things in my life. There are things even right now that that might apply to. But you'll see these things where you're, you know that God's good, you know he's going to provide, and then circumstances will whisper in your ear something different. right? Well, that's all the wind is. That's all the waves are, circumstances. So there's this message that's out there telling you God won't provide, but yet there's the promise of God stating that God will provide. And some days we're standing over here, God will provide. And other days we're standing over here, I'm going to die. I mean, they're total opposite ends, and that's double-minded. Sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm there. And the amazing thing is, is that it says that this person is unstable in all of their ways. Now, that's really interesting to me because I would think if I was double-minded, if it's like God will provide and then some days it's I'm going to die, I would think then when I'm over here, I'm at least right half the time. But that passage of Scripture says I'm unstable all of the time. And I want stability in my life. The way to get stability in my life is to get rid of the enemy that makes me double-minded. And based on this passage of Scripture, that enemy is doubt. Doubt is my enemy in this passage of Scripture. The one that asks must ask without doubting. 
For the one who doubts is like the waves of the sea being tossed about by circumstance, tossed about by situation. Somebody hurt me, and so now I'm sad. Somebody stole from me, and now I'm impoverished. Or so, you know, It's all about what happened to me, and that's what decides who I am and how I feel. That's a garbage way to live. Because things are going to happen. Circumstances can really be sorry. But we've been called to transcend those things and to live a supernatural life empowered by joy and peace and prosperity in every aspect of our living that God will provide, that he is near, that he will take care of us. And we'll see that word again before we're done. We come to this place in in James where we see that enemy is doubt. Now, I want to offer this to you before we move on. I take that and I want to do something with it. And I want to, to deal with doubt not just the results of doubt. I don't want to go into my prayer life and be like, oh, God, get me off this roller coaster, right? That's not a bad prayer to pray. I'm not telling you that that would be, you'd be in the wrong for that. But if what gets you off that roller coaster is getting doubt out of your life, I would say this prayer would be one that we ought to pray. Father, will you reveal every bit of doubt in my life and let's deal with it right here and right now. Let's pull all the doubt out. Let's drag it out. If it's from the past hurts and rejections that I've had, heal me. Set me free from that. I don't want to carry that boat anchor around anymore. I want to be free. Get every doorway for doubt closed and locked and sealed shut so that doubt will no longer be a part of who I am and no longer bring me to a place where I'm unstable all of the time. If there's an open door for doubt, then there's an open door for instability. If there's an open door for doubt, there's an open door for compromise. And all it takes is the right set of circumstances and the right situation to set us back. You want to close the door to doubt. Deal with the enemy that causes the problem. Those are things that can be dealt with with the scripture. Those are things that can be dealt with with words. Those are things that can be dealt with in in prayer and in ministry. Those are things that can be dealt with. Those are things that are easy easier, excuse me, dealt with, with the body, the fellowship of the congregation to encourage one another. Nothing drives out doubt like encouragement. When you're feeling thoughts of of potential failure and loss, but you have those around you who can help carry and, and support, and not just with their words, but their actions, see you through those difficult times, that's where success is found. Make no mistake, the enemy is doubt. Sin can be an issue. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now, I know people that would debate that passage of Scripture, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm reading it to you because it's in the Word. I personally believe these things. Not that God would say, well, you're not doing it my way, so I reject you. That's not how he's wired. He loves you unconditionally. The issue is not in God's ears or his refusal to listen. The issue is in our voice. When we regard wickedness in our heart, when we regard evil, when we have these things taking place in our life, there's something that happens to us. If you want to know what it is, you'll find it in Psalm 115. Psalm 115 says those that make idols and those that worship idols will suffer what the idol is. And it goes on to say the idol has a mouth, but it can't talk. has ears, but it can't hear. Eyes, but it can't see. When we regard wickedness in our life, when we make a place for it, when we decide that we want to include this into our life, it will cause one that has the mouth to be mute, one that has ears to be deaf, one that has eyes to be blind. I think it's an interesting thing to see the things that Jesus came and ministered 
that he opened up the ears, that he opened up the eyes, that he opened up the mouth, that he loosed the feet and the hands. He didn't just come for people who were handicapped. He came for me to open my eyes, though they've never been dim, to open my ears, though they've never been deaf, to loose my feet, though they've never been lame, and to set my hands free to produce, though they've been bound a few times, thank you, state of Texas. But he set me free. I want to give you a, another passage of scripture here as we move forward. And one of these issues as it concerns asking God for things can be a sense of entitlement. It happens with uh, people's lives, whether they're believers or not, interestingly enough. You know, have you ever heard of the term self-righteous? Right? Yeah, I mean, so you get to a point where people just believe that they're kind of entitled on their own, and there's no room for that in Christianity because every bit of righteousness in your life and in my life is a wonderful gift from God. I'll give you a couple passages here, uh, passages here that, that should respond and minister to that entitlement. I mean, when Jesus is talking about asking God for things, he says something, and it's worth noting. So John 14, Jesus says, whatever you ask, but then he adds this, in my name, Whatever you ask in my name, it'll be done. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I mean, so as a young believer, when I became a Christian and read through the scripture here, I noticed that and I realized, wow, this is really important. The name of Jesus is very important. And it is very important. But I didn't really understand it. I just kind of, you know, had no real connection with, with why that was so important. I just noticed it was in there a lot, and therefore it must be something that we need to notice and, and, and apply. And so, you know, you pray, and in the name of Jesus, amen, right? But think about what that means. When you ask this, and you ask it in my name, it'll be done for you. There's a couple things that that makes me think. One, if I ask it in my name, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> that it's all through him. Every bit of, of uh, the reason why God would perform anything on my behalf because of his love for me and his gift of Jesus Christ in and through my life. As God has given us Jesus, he's given us access to every part of his kingdom. Therefore, that's why when we ask in the name of Jesus, we ought to expect to receive. But in our own doings, in our own achievements, there's nothing worthy. In God's goodness and his mercy, absolute worth. Outside of that, nada. I'll give you another passage of scripture here. I mentioned before we're going to find why God gives to you. We're going to find that now. John 16, beginning in verse 23. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you that if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he'll give it to you. And then now listen to these words, so that your joy may be made full. Pretty interesting thing to think about. Anytime you see the words, so that, you can understand that, that the, the motive behind whatever's being done is being revealed, right? I mean, if I were here preparing lunch for you, I would be preparing lunch for you so that you could eat, right? That's the point. The point of it is to feed you. I'm doing this so that we can get this result. So that is connecting these things. When you see this right here, you can see God's giving to you. Why? So that your joy may be made full. It's just a wonderful thing to think about, the idea that God wants my life to be filled with joy. And it can really alter my perspective on who he is, that he's not just some being in the sky watching over me, ready to throw thunderbolts down on me if I mess up. But rather, he's a loving father who wants to see my life rich with the things that are joyful, 
celebration and life and victory and breakthrough and, and discovery of wonders and, and goodness. It's pretty amazing. And then when you consider what joy is by definition, I mean, here's, here's the definition of joy. If you looked it up, just, you know, Googled it or whatever. An emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. I'll take that. And then you consider the name of Jesus in its, in its own, you know. I mean, it's a big deal. You'll see it in the scripture, and we celebrate, you know, the Christmas season just a couple of months ago. And if your tree is still up, you know, God bless you. You're, you're not alone. Uh, and, and so you're in this place where we celebrate Jesus, and we consider, you know, all of the wonderful things of his coming and the ministry that he brings. And you come to the point where you realize uh, the name is a pretty important thing. I mean, you have the angels visit and make this pronouncement, his name shall be called. It's kind of a thing. It's not like, hey, listen, whatever you come up with, make sure you clear it with HR and, and we'll let you know. That announcement was made, hey, he's coming and his name shall be. So when we're praying in the name of Jesus, we've got to understand this is something by God's design. This is very intentional. This isn't just something that happened. And I kind of like it because wouldn't it be weird if you were like asking in the name of Chuck, right? You're like, well, bless you in the name of Chuck wouldn't have any authority behind it, wouldn't have any power, but why Jesus? Why does that have any authority? Why does that have any power? Why does that have anything that has any significance to any believer? Jesus is, is the English version of Yeshua. Yeshua is the Aramaic name that Jesus would have been called. I say Jesus today because when I say Yeshua, which I like saying, by the way, and oftentimes when I pray, I'll use Yeshua, but it just sounds cult-like in America if I were to come and start using it. But I like Yeshua. I think it's the right way to say it because it puts rightly in my mind who he is and why his name is important. Now, Yeshua is just like Joshua, right? It means the salvation of God. That's what it means. And when you know this and you start to apply this, you realize like, well, that makes perfect sense now that I'm going to do this in the name of Yeshua. I'm doing this in the name of God's salvation. It's only by his salvation that I have any say in this matter, that I have any power in this matter, that I have any authority in this matter. In the name of Jesus. Behashem Yahshua. In the name of Jesus. That was Hebrew, by the way, not tongues. Unless you count Hebrew as a tongue, then it was tongues. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the salvation of our God. By his deliverance, by his power, that is what I pray that in. Powerful, isn't it? not just the way Christians end their prayers before they eat. It's how we live our lives. Whatever you ask God for in my name, it shall be given to you. Father, by your salvation in my life, let there be a, an impartation of courage that I can face this problem with integrity and with strength, that I can carry peace into the midst of this turmoil and not make it worse with violence and aggression and rage. But let me carry joy and peace. Let me be patient. Let me carry life. In the name of Jesus. I'm looking at the clock here because we're running out of time. I want to stop, and I want to pick back up on this next week. That's a pastor's dream come true because it means next week's sermon's already there. But I want to ask you to stand with me, and I want to, to pray for you. I want to pray for us. I want to ask God to do something great in our lives. Now, here's what this means. Half the things that we're looking forward to in the message we didn't get to. But we will get to them. 
there comes a point when you realize if you go any further, you might miss out on something. And if you plow through something just for the sake of plowing through it, I think that's a pretty selfish act. I want to stop here and I want to ask God to reveal to us the power of his salvation. Just the knowledge of the name of Jesus. That it wouldn't just be, you know, an American word for God but that we would understand that our Heavenly Father, the one that wove us together and put such wonderful and powerful purpose into our life, has also equipped us with the power of deliverance, the power of his salvation, the very name Yeshua, Jesus. And and I think that if we take this into our lives and how we, we pray and how we minister, how we think and how we operate, it ought to have a pretty amazing effect. And we're not just, you know, saying it the proper way for the sake of saying it the proper way. God hasn't called us to be witches and warlocks, giving spells and incantations, but rather he's equipped us and empowered us with the authority of his kingdom. The power of the Holy Spirit. And all of that is because of salvation. Whenever we pray in the name of Jesus, whenever we minister in the name of Jesus, whenever we ask in the name of Jesus, we are saying this is not because of me, but it's 100% because of Jesus. I remember some of the most powerful moments of ministry I've ever experienced, you know, ministering to people at the altar and, and, and ministering in, the, in the, you know, the streets or wherever. There have been moments where I've realized there's absolutely nothing I can do for this person. Jesus, only you can help them. That's in the name of Jesus. So where you're standing, I want to pray for you. Because I want to see something shift in our hearts and in our minds, that we would begin to, to function in a new understanding of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to walk and to ask and to seek and to minister the very name of Jesus. You're welcome to be in an attitude of receiving or agreement, however you choose. I want to pray for us this morning as it concerns what we've received from the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We receive it as truth. Let its sanctifying effects prevail in our heart and mind. Set us apart. Let there be an awareness of who our king is. That he is your deliverance and your salvation. The full manifestation of your love for your people. That there is nothing that you would withhold from your sons and daughters to see them liberated from sin and captivity, to see them delivered from sickness and disease. Let the name of Jesus be brought to our attention this morning by the Holy Spirit. Yeshua, your salvation, your deliverance. Let a new awareness and understanding rise in our hearts and minds of the authority that we walk in the power that you've blessed us with. And as we pray, as we give thanks, as we even speak the name of Jesus, let it be understood that we are speaking your power, your authority to save. Let that have an impact on who we are and how we function. Let there never be a moment of our lives that we feel weak, but let us know the power of your spirit. Let there never be a moment of our life that we feel out of control but that we know the authority of our King. And let that not be hoarded and kept to ourselves, but let it be released through ministry. 
the words that we would speak, the actions that we would perform, let them bring you honor and glory as Yeshua is celebrated in and through our lives, your salvation. Let us come before you with humble hearts that we would ask in the name of Jesus, that we would recognize that it's only by your goodness, only by your grace, only through your mercy, only through Yeshua, the salvation of our God, that we're worthy to receive from your hand. And as we receive, let it be met with thanksgiving and celebration, that the sound of gratitude would arise from our hearts. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your affection. We thank you for your salvation. We bless you and we receive this wonderful gift in Jesus' name. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.